0: My life is basically a garden and I'm constantly planting seeds and just watering them and taking care of them. Sometimes nothing grows. (laughs) Sometimes I don't like what grows from it. Sometimes if I'm, you know, lucky and took good care of it, something really cool has grown from it. But so many of the things that I feel like have been working well in my life now were things that had been planted years and years ago and had been nurtured in different ways.
1: Welcome back to Let's Drive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Fichels, and it's a pleasure, as always, to have you here. I am currently sweating it out here in Austin, Texas. It's, you know, just a casual spring day, 90 degrees in the sun, humidity. Guys, I, I'm not equipped for this. I am an East Coast gal at heart all my life. And I'm used to this time of year, you know, you're lucky if you get 65 degrees. Um, This is quite literally hotter than our summer in PA. And it is only, what, April? So, but I'm not going to complain, you know. I I chose this. I wanted it. It's better than being cold, am I right? So, yeah, we're just kind of sweating it out. Um, My current situation is that I just haven't turned the AC on in my place. (laughs) and to record I go in my bedroom close the windows and try to make it as soundproof you know as possible if you hear any little like clicking noises that's my freaking cat eating food in the background but otherwise we've got a good soundproof very hot and humid podcast studio set up here and we're going with it (laughs) Uh, uh, we have a good episode here for you guys today I'm not going to keep this intro too too long because the episode itself is just full of so much good and it's a longer one so you can listen in bits and pieces you can listen all the way through personally I was interested enough to just listen the whole way through even when listening back to it so give it a go but it is with the lovely Georgie Morley I just like I have so much to say about her in such a good way I have followed her for about three years now I first found her when I was, you know, leaving college, getting more into the online health and wellness field. I started listening to her podcast, which I just loved, and then I just started following her on Instagram and just loved her overall aesthetic and the messaging she was putting out. But what's been neat is that over the past three years, she's really made a pivot and a shift, and she now is just, in my eyes, living her most authentic Self and life through the work she does and the content she produces. And I know authentic is a word that's greatly overused, but I mean, taking a few moments to scroll through Georgie's Instagram or listen to her new podcast as she left the old one behind, you'll just understand what I mean. And after listening to this episode, you will as well. She's just doing things that make her happy, her heart happy, and that help others out and it's just a beautiful thing so in this convo we really dive into that journey of hers to pivot and what that looked like and you know that was leaving the sometimes toxic world of health and wellness to find her own approach to it it was embracing what makes her heart happy you know photography and affirmations and you know all these little things she has a really neat you know she lives on nantucket and island and That's just another reason why I just love her entire aesthetic and feed, but her photography is just always blows me away. And we have this neat conversation in the midst of all of this about body image, right? And her journey with it. And something I asked her was how photography has played a part because for so many of us photos, especially of ourselves in the present or even in the past can be triggering. And she expressed a similar, you know, situation and experience with that. But she's also explained and its knee, I'll let you listen about her viewpoint on it as both a photographer and as the one in front of the camera, and how she's been able to make this mindset shift and reframe her thoughts around it so that she can really like take a whole new approach to it, both when she's behind the camera and in front of it. And it helped her, you know, with her body image. And it's something I've been implementing. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to that part, especially. But overall, it's just a really good rounded out 360 episode that we touch on so many important topics so I really hope it resonates and let us know if it does we would love to connect Georgie is on Instagram at Georgie Morley and I'm on there at Emily Feichels both will be linked below you can follow along you can reach out connect chat we would love it and if you are one of the amazing souls not only listening to the show but sharing it with friends, sharing it on IG, leaving a rate and review, so, so much appreciation to you. The love and support for this show and all the work I put into it has been getting me through these past few weeks, and so it just means so much more than you could ever know. I hope you all enjoy this episode, and without further ado, let's begin. Um, okay, so I guess to start things off, round two here. Would you mind giving a little bit of an intro into who you are, you know, here in this present phase, present moment of life? Um, And then we can kind of go into maybe a lesson or just realization you've had in this past whirlwind of a year that we've all had.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Georgie. I am a portrait, branding, and wedding photographer on Nantucket. Um, I'm glad you asked about like present intro because I feel like I've had the last eight to 10 years I feel like I've dabbled and done so many different things. I guess that's just my personality. But for right now, (laughs) for the foreseeable future, I'm a photographer, and that just brings me so much joy. And when I'm not shooting, I'm creating content for the internet. Uh, I mean, I think the overarching theme has always been, maybe I didn't always realize this, but just inspiring self-expression. And I just kind of share what's inspiring me. Um, And yeah, I've just always been very drawn to creating stuff and sharing it. And that seems to be like at least one through line in my life.
1: Oh, I love that. I think it's so neat when we can find that,
0: like you said, like a through
1: line or just an underlying theme that really ties together, you know, whatever like interests, passions work that we find ourselves doing. And I feel like you know, I've been following you for quite a while now and I it's been neat to it's always neat to see the shifts in the people that you know you you follow and you can kind of see as they shift and move and groove and find their own flow with things. And so I, I'd say in like the past year or so, have you had like just like a lesson learned or a realization that really helped you to hone in on like, you know, who you are right here in this phase of life? Because I feel like you have done a lot of refining in a sense to like kind mm-hmm. of get it down to like that nitty gritty what's meant to be for right now if that makes
0: sense. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest lesson for my past 2020 year was understanding how much I was Mm self-sabotaging. I had never really thought about that phrase or what it meant, but it was actually a conversation. And I should have mentioned this in my intro. I always forget to plug my own podcast. I have a (laughs) podcast with my best friend called Gal Pals. It's like the kind of conversations you have like post-therapy with your best friend. So it's like, Deep conversations in a lighthearted way with the two of us. Uh, but, anyways, we were having a conversation not recorded about our relationships with how hard we try at things. And she has a very different experience where she has felt like she's always had to try really hard. Whereas I have this weird thing where I'm afraid to try my hardest. I used to run a lot and I've actually started running recently again. And I was always like, when I'm in movement, I'm always afraid to give it my all because i'm afraid that i'll like empty the tank before i need you know i always had yeah. like this reserve but it it actually has blocked me in a lot of ways so in the past especially like whether it was a creative pursuit or career thing or even in relationships it was like i would purposely try only 80% at something i also think it came from like wanting to have um An excuse in case something didn't work out. So I was never truly disappointed because I'm like, well, you know, that didn't work out because I didn't even try, you know, like, which is, again, it doesn't make logical sense, but it just was, I think, a result of maybe, you know, when you do give your all and you don't get what you want. It it can be kind of heartbreaking, and I mm-hmm. was like, "Never again! <laughs> I'll never try my best again." But now, as like an adult who knows better, I'm like, "Okay, that was an old belief, an old limiting belief that has, you know, maybe helped me actually get through certain phases of my life." I'm ready to put it on the shelf. A book that really helped me that my friend Talia recommended to me um, is called "The Big Leap" by Gay Hendricks. Um, I mean, I. I think it could probably be updated linguistically. You know, it's not like the, you know, a Pulitzer Prize kind of uh-huh. book, but I love the concepts in it. And it basically talks about how, you know, we get used to, we almost have like a happiness uh, thermostat and we get used to a certain like level. And if we surpass ourselves, we can subconsciously do things to bring ourselves back down. And I think that comes from like a sense of safety. Like it can just, it can be just as scary to be really successful or to be really happy because then comes all the fear of like it being taken away and not feeling like you deserve it. And so I found myself doing that a lot without realizing it, like just purposely kind of cutting myself down, shooting myself in the foot to avoid getting too high.
1: Yeah. that resonates so deeply with me. And I love that your friendship has those like two sides to it, right? Like Mm. she's that one and you're this one. Uh, And I feel very similarly with my brother and I actually, as you were saying that, I just, he was always, he was more like you, where, you know, I'd kind of be like, why, you know, why don't you want to like give your full to this? Or why don't you want to like fully believe that this could happen? And he, after a while started sharing that it was because he was afraid of that, like let down or afraid of like coming down from that high Or yeah, like you kind of, it it was like, he wanted an excuse to kind of be able to say like, wasn't meant to be, or it didn't work Mm -hmm. out. And, um, you know, and neither, neither way is right or wrong, but it's just an interesting point of view for either side. And, um, I love what you said there about the self-sabotage, because I think that's something that affects us more than we ever know. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm curious, have you experienced any other like limiting beliefs, whether it was in like personal life, career, relationships that you just sort of felt like they were sabotaging your happiness, success, whatever it be in the moment?
0: Mm, I mean, there's like, I feel like there's probably so many that that's the big one I've been Mm. working on over the years. So that's the first thing, but I would also just like another note on the self-sabotage thing. I think I've never personally identified with the word perfectionist because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not someone who needs to like dot every I cross every T I'm more like go get them but Mm -hmm. I think self-sabotage actually is a form of perfectionism because you're afraid that you'll never like live up to that perfection so you never even let yourself get close to it because it's better to say in your mind like oh I didn't even try to get there. So in a way, that is kind of a form of perfectionism. So if you find yourself, like if someone out there is listening and you're like, yeah, perfectionism has never really resonated with me. Maybe you're someone who could easily start things but have a hard time finishing them. Mm -hmm. I would look into self-sabotage, you know, the big leap, these limiting beliefs. I think maybe as a sub-limiting belief that they do talk about in the book that resonated with me was this like fear, this The limiting belief was that if I was shown too bright, I would no longer be relatable or desirable as a friend. I would isolate myself from relationships because, you know, people wouldn't be able to relate to me anymore. Or, you know, I actually hate the feeling of if someone's jealous of something that I have. So I'm constantly talking my accomplishments and, you know, all these different things. I try to like oh, you like this sweater? Like, it's not that great. You know, like, don't, don't be jealous. <laughs> don't, don't, don't want it. I don't know. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, but that's not even the, tr- again, that's a fear. That's a limiting belief. There are some people who probably will fade away if you get to a certain level, but, and there's nothing wrong with them or that. It just is what it is, but it doesn't need to stop you from growing and evolving as yourself.
1: Yeah, no, I I feel like what came up for me as you were sharing that is just this idea of how often we're just like programmed really, whether we realize it or not to keep, make ourselves and keep ourselves small, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, they tell you to like do this, this and that, and then you reach a certain point and suddenly it's like, you got to reverse or, you know, you've got to make yourself small again, or you want, they want you to stay in that space. And that could be in accomplishments that could be in career, could be in personality. And then and nowadays it's even in body right like it's even mm-hmm. in our freaking body shapes that we're told to kind of play that small role and like shrink ourselves all this stuff and that is such a form of self sabotage in so many ways i mean in career and pursuing your passions and relationships and finding like wellness from within right like there's just so that is such a critical piece and um i don't know i don't think we realize we're doing it as often as we do it. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's such a subconscious thing that we kind of do that shrink
0: back that pullback, um, as you said, to like not shine too bright. And it makes total sense. I'm going to use kind of a silly example, but look at these different TikTok stars who kind of gained this big following almost overnight. And then, you know, regardless of what you think of their work, people are judging them so critically and justifying it because they have these large platforms. Like, oh, they signed up for it. They asked for it. So no wonder you would be afraid to grow and expand and be your biggest self because look what happens to people who shine bright. They get attacked, you know, and I'm not judging those people specifically, but Mm -hmm. it's like for a lot of stuff, it's so stupid. You're like, okay, And they didn't sign up to be harassed. No one does. And again, that's different from whether someone does something wrong and needs accountability. But there's so much harassment that goes on when people Mm. have platforms or, I mean, this is a tricky topic, but even like... If you have some amount of wealth, people will go after that. It's like, so yeah, no wonder people are afraid to expand in certain ways. Again, if you have a different body shape that isn't, you know, quote unquote, the norm, like people, again, (laughs) any kind of diversion from what's expected, people Mm
1: -hmm. feel
0: almost entitled to attack you. So I I can empathize with myself and anyone else who's afraid to expand, but I will say like... (laughs) strangely enough tiktok has helped me grow a thicker skin because so much of your content gets in front of people that you know done, didn't sign up for it yeah. <laughs> um so like strangers who don't know you have no relationship with you um and they'll say whatever they want to say like a lot i've gotten a lot of rude comments and at first they really really hurt me they still like sting it's like getting punched in the arm and you're like hey what the heck like yeah you don't know me but at the same time i'm like oh wow it's such a clear example that like everything is a mirror and but uh, you know they're just projecting their weird stuff on you you just happen to be there mm-hmm. um so in that way i'm like oh it's especially if you are remaining true to your values and you you really like what you're making it doesn't hurt as bad because you're like well i actually really like this so it's fine that you don't i mean yeah go along on your separate way cuz i'm I'm stoked about it. It it hurts more to me, like when I kind of step away from my values and someone kind of calls you out. That's when it's like, ooh, that's a gut check, and like you're probably actually right.
1: <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, and we've all had those moments for sure, uh, you know. And I'm kind of curious, as you are, someone who is a photographer, but then you're also on the flip side of the camera, mm-hmm. um, you know, with your Instagram and even TikTok have you ever struggled with like that push and pull between, you know, whether it's just that desire we all have of being seen, right? But then as you said, we're seen sometimes by a lot of people. And with that comes the criticism, you know, the comments, and that can lead to, you know, whatever it is, more limiting beliefs, body image issues, et cetera. But then also that desire to not be seen, right? To be Mm. like the one behind the lens or to be the one like creating behind the scenes and just kind of staying out of the like, out of the vision of those types of people, like, do you ever struggle with that push and pull between, you know, wanting to be, yeah, seen in a sense, and then also just kind of wanting to like lay low and be behind behind the scenes per se?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a really beautiful question. Um, And I think my situation or my life experience set it up so that I kind of went into the vlogging social media, in front of the camera world uh, first, and that was kind of. Satisfying my desire to be seen, which I think is a desire to be seen and heard, is completely Mm. human. It's not narcissistic. It's just, I think it's again, self expression. There's nothing wrong with like wanting to be seen and heard. So there's that. Uh, But, anyways, that was like that first chapter. And then I just fell in love with the creative process, which involved photography. And I find just as much satisfaction personally in helping to see people um, the same way that I've been seen. And so, I mean, the photography is so satisfying and that's why I like working with people portraits. It's why I don't really, I mean, I do my own fun, like landscapes and stuff, but I'm not attracted to real estate. Photo- you know, there's all these mm-hmm. different kinds of photography that I'm less attracted to. I just like love. And I especially, I mean, working with models is really cool. I really love working with non-models just normal folks and helping them feel really good and helping them see a picture of themselves they really love and maybe in the past they haven't had that kind of relationship with a photographer to feel safe to see see themselves and be like yeah I do look good so (laughs) it's very to me it's like mutually nourishing and I love being in front of the camera I love being behind it I think it it's like a very nice uh symbiotic relationship and the beautiful thing about living on a very like touristy, uh, seasonal-based economy island is that I can kind of, you know, I'll go full out with the photography in the summer and like basically six months make a living for the year and then in the winter kind of get quiet. So I feel like the ebbs and flows kind of just works really well for my personality and things that that work for me.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. And I'm curious in your own sense, because you've been, as you said, behind the scenes. I love what you said there about like, um, helping people be feel seen as mm-hmm. you've, you know, been, etc. Has your, you know, journey and experience and just skill with photography, like, how has that contributed with a body image per se? Because I know, mm-hmm. as I mentioned before, you know, I found you years ago, and, you know, your content and your podcast, everything like it was a lot more in the health and wellness scene. And, I mean it actually helped me work through a lot of things as well. Um but I do know that just like me and so many listening like you've had your own experiences with, you know, just everything that comes with that health culture and in that body image. So has photography, you know, like helped you in any sense with that because I know for a lot of people, myself included, you know, there are just times where it can be triggering to see your body, Mm -hmm. right? But I think there is something so beautiful about when you can kind of flip that narrative, flip that script and suddenly it becomes like a whole new way to see yourself. So I'm just curious like what your experience has been with that.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Yes, it's had a huge impact. And just for context, for anyone who's listening, I struggled with anorexia in high school and college and then kind of sat in this, what I've heard described as like a pseudo recovery, uh, for years and years without like doing, you know, the work of therapy and diving deep and like finally actually healing. Um, not, I shouldn't say finally, cause healing's non-linear and valuable <laughs> last forever. Um, but anyways, like that was, you know, pretty much a 10 year journey of my life. And now I've gotten to a place where I am very like at peace with my relationship with my body. You know, I don't, not obsessed with it every day and i i honestly don't think about it that much anymore which is to me feels like freedom and peace um which is interesting because i do take a lot of pictures of myself so you'd think i'm thinking about my body but really it's like i just see it as like the same way i'd see a tree or i don't know i'm just like it it is she is what she is um but the photography was super helpful because especially when i was struggling the most with my eating disorder and even in that Like weight regaining period, where my body is changing so much, that's I think emotionally one of the most challenging pieces of all of it. Um, Photos were incredibly triggering and could send me in spirals. Like I could see a photo of myself and it it could ruin my week one photo. (laughs) So wow. Um, But when I started to do more photography, especially of other people taking so many different photos of one person in a bunch of different poses in different lighting, you start to realize that a photo isn't what you actually look like. It's like a very, it's a two-dimensional representation of a three-dimensional world. You know, a beautiful photo is a piece of art, but it's, it's a snapshot, but it, it does not, you know, someone's, true essence you can't it's also again like if we want to get into the tech side of things like each lens is very different and can distort a body in different ways if i have a wide angle lens so think like fisheye that's going to distort your body in a very specific way or if i have a macro lens so that's very zoomed in that's going to flatten you a lot so you know camera lighting poses angles makeup hair like there are so many so many elements to making a body look a certain way so all of that knowledge helped give me context and that's i think what helps my brain understand something the more knowledge i have i can kind of start to feel more comfortable with something and i've taken pictures of like objectively or like you know societally deemed completely beautiful people i've taken horrible pictures of them you know like just a weird angle or they made a weird face so i'm like if this person who my mind and ego can judge as like you know, this certain level of societal beauty, if if they can look like this, then I think I can give myself a little bit more grace. So, and yeah, so it, and it, again, it's, it's exposure. So if you only take one picture of yourself every six months, you're going to put a lot of pressure on that picture to be good. Whereas- and again, I don't necessarily recommend this, but someone like me who takes like hundreds of pictures of themselves just through like tripods and having other people take pictures of me, like I've seen every angle. So no one is going to freak me out anymore.
1: I love that. I mean, exposure therapy is like a real thing. Yeah. You know, I've talked with it on therapists on the show before, and I, I feel you where, I don't know, there's just sometimes like there was an instance... A few weeks ago, where yeah, like a friend took a photo, you know, and like they just did not, they they just weren't doing it with the, your angles, the angles no. or anything, and they weren't telling me. So then I see the photos later, and I mean, it literally, like you said, for probably a solid one to two weeks, I just, I don't know, I couldn't bring myself to take any more photos. I was so upset with like how my body looked in that one photo, and then. I don't know. I just like, I was talking with my therapist actually about body image and everything. And I just kind of came to this realization of like, when I'm looking at people every day, you know, whether they're French friends, you know um, I don't have family here, but friends or people I, you know, see when I'm serving in the restaurant where on the streets, wherever it is, like, I was like, what, like, what to me am I noticing about them? Mm. And I started to think about that. And I'm like, about these people, I'm like, I'm not noticing any, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not picking them apart like this. Like I look at a person mm-hmm. and it's almost like I'm picking up an essence of, yeah, like their energy, their their overall presence. And then fusing that with, you know, like their smile, their eyes, right? Like these characteristics that just like kind of draw me to them or maybe like I'm not too drawn to them. And I'm like, I'm not, why, you know, why do I pick myself apart like this when I don't do that to anybody else? And yeah. so I doubt anybody else is doing that to me. And, and then, yeah, it's like you, when you just take, those photos. And sometimes you just do it time and time again, or you see yourself in a reflection, whatever it is. Like, I don't know. I think there's so much to be said about that exposure. And I think sometimes, you know, you're not in the right place mentally, emotionally in a recovery journey for that. But when you feel like you are like, that's where I'm at right now. Like I'm exploring that avenue of just like exposure, being Mm -hmm. comfortable, getting comfortable with like where I'm at right now. And I don't know. It, it, it can be a magical thing. It can definitely take a lot of hard, you know, work uh, mindset, etc. But I love that, especially with like the, your experience with photography professionally as well.
0: And the people who are judging you and your body has everything to do with where they're at in their minds. Again, it doesn't make it like right or comfortable or feel good, but just know that like, I'll be super honest when I was you know struggling the most with my eating disorder the most critical of myself is when i would notice people's bodies the most now when i don't think about my own body shape often i don't think about others' body shapes often I, again i'm more interested in their energy how they make me feel like the light in their eye like i notice the things from my like photography eyeballs because that's <laughs> my life so again Everything is. Im- <laughs> I hate this because it's so annoying sometimes. Because you're like, I want clear clarity, but like people often will project their own stuff on you. So, yeah, there might be someone judging your body, but that's because they're judging their own body. So, having compassion for them can maybe help you have compassion for yourself. And we're all gonna have those days where it's like, maybe we don't take any pictures today. Maybe we don't go near a mirror today. In fact, having no mirrors in my apartment years ago when I was you know, when I was in the process of gaining more weight and my body changing, that was really helpful for me. Like I didn't want to see my body at all. And that was a phase for me that like it was what it was. And then once I was ready, I started with more photos, but that took a long time. And, um, yeah, just give yourself compassion wherever you're at. And also, I mean, I've been the listening ear for friends who want to just kind of talk out, like seeing a bad photo of themselves. It really does help to like not have it swirl around in your head. So whether it's a journal or a friend who understands, again, this is not a conversation that's probably if someone doesn't know where you're coming from, they probably will just be like, what are you talking about? And you're like, well, this is actually it's deeper than this. Uh, It's deeper than just what I look like, but I just need to like. Blow off some steam. So find someone who you feel like is a good outlet for this, but it can be really helpful just to have a reality check.
1: Yeah. And I think part of that is right, like the validation that everything you're feeling and experiencing is very real. Like I think that can be very troubling because there are a lot of people who don't understand how, you know, body dysmorphia and body image can be such a struggle. It's either because A, they don't experience that, which some people are just. Blessed with not you know, not not experiencing that, or it's because they're not aware of their own mm. issues, right? And so I think it is important, as you said, to find someone who is going to really listen and help like validate, you know, it's it's not just someone that's going to write it off of like, no, you look like you look great. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, like you do want affirmations and such, but part of that process is also having, being able to fully express yourself, right. And being seen and heard in that sense as well, of like you said, it goes so much deeper. Like, why do you think that? Or why do you Mm -hmm. say that? Or I don't know. So I think that's like something I found. There are a few friends who I feel, you know, can really be with me when I'm expressing those thoughts or worries or, you know, opinions about myself.
0: Yeah. And just one more thing on the photos, something I think to maybe test out yourself, something I've noticed and I've had this conversation with a lot of people because I've wanted to like see if this is not just me. We are so much uh, less judgmental of photos of ourselves in the past. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I even see this when I'm taking photos for just like content I'm creating. I might not like any of them, like while I'm taking them. So I actually try not to look at too many. Like I just need to check if the angles are working, but I'm like, I'm not going to be a good judge of like if I look good today because it's too present. So, but like look at a photo of yourself from a year ago even if you didn't like that photo then you probably see it with a much softer like lens you're probably like what was I talking about the photos that again like ruined weeks of my life I look at now I'm like what (laughs) like that so just again it doesn't take away the feelings in the present but just give yourself that perspective like huh, it's good to know that even though this is really hard for me right now, like in a couple months, I can probably look at this photo and it's not going to bother me that much. So you kind of, it's like, again, the feelings are real, but it doesn't need to, you don't need to be inside of them. You know, you can kind of be with them instead of like taking action on these things. You don't need to change your body today because a photo ruined it. Like tomorrow, you're probably going to feel better.
1: Yeah. No, and I think that's it. Like it's giving
0: it and
1: yourself time to breathe where, I mean, if you're having just, you know, if you're having a day where your mind is just flustered and clustered and you're already Mm -hmm. having like a, you know, some bad body image thoughts per se. And then you look at a photo, like I doubt any photo is going to meet your standards per se, Mm -hmm. but like same thing. I mean, I've looked at photos of myself in the past where at the time I felt so horrible about them. And now I'm like, wow, like what did I have to feel bad about? Or I look at them and I'm like, Wow, I was way too thin. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't look healthy at all or whatever it is. So it's just funny like how the perspective does change over time. And I so resonate with that. Even a few weeks ago, you know, I took a photo and um, you know, in it I was just very uncomfortable with like how my legs looked. I was like, wow, you know, when did that happen? And it was funny because just like the other day I saw the photo again. I was like, damn. Like I really, like my, my legs look strong or my legs just like look good. Like I love this photo of me now. And it was just crazy how over a few weeks, you know, I was really focusing on trying to accept this changing body, you know, phase I'm going through right now. And it is neat. I think what you said there, like you you captured it. Like you need sometimes that time, that space to just let it breathe, to let it like settle in and not just judge right from the bat. So yeah. I, I will support this. Theory. Here. It's not a theory. It's a fact. <laughs> at this yeah. point,
0: and another sure thing was degree. really helpful in all of this too. And this is it's it's funny how like these things again, your experiences start to make sense like much later on. Yeah. But a huge thing for me in terms of accepting a changing body and like accepting myself, and again finding that peace and freedom that I was looking for, was like letting go of being a certain size and mm-hmm. just buying clothes that fit me in the way I like them to fit me. So even if I was a specific size, sometimes I like to buy things that are larger because that's what I feel like safe and comfortable in. And just like practicing, again, it's really hard when your mind is so stuck on something to, it feels like quote unquote failure, but it's truly not. It, again, you'll look back in years and be like, what was I so pressed about? But that was a huge, huge step was buying the clothes that fit my body, buying the clothes that fit my body and and like owning that. And it felt so good and like, yeah, not being so attached to a specific size. No, I I agree. And I've
1: shared this a few times, but I love to thrift. Like there's a Mm -hmm. few very good thrift shops here in Austin. And thrifting has changed my entire perspective on it because instead of going to a store where I know I should be X size, Mm. I'm going thrifting and I'm finding you know, mostly with shirts, I find a style that I think is cute. And then like, it doesn't, since you're thrifting, like the sizes vary so much, right? Like Mm -hmm. I've gotten shirts that are extra small because I want it to be a crop fitted top. And then I've gotten shirts that are like a large because I want that loose and flowy look. And, you know, whether the shirt was meant to fit that way or not, it's like, when you start to find your style. And I think like you shared something about this. I don't know if it was like TikTok or on Instagram, whatever, about like, just how you really like started to find your style per se. Right. With clothing. I feel so similarly where, where like once I found the clothes and the styles that I feel most confident in, like the sizes start to not matter as much. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just looking for like, is that my, is that in my color scheme? Is that like a cut or a fit that suits my body shape? And then it, it becomes so much less about sizes and just about like, is this piece of clothing like fit for me or is it not? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. There is something so freeing when you can like shift that mindset of I need to be this size. And instead you're just looking for clothes that suit you as, as you are.
0: Mm -hmm. And again, it's, it's reframing it where I think in the past when I was younger and going through this, it was like, I felt again, like subservient or beholden to like Georgie had to fit the jeans. It's like, "Mm, let's pause there for a second. Georgie's a human. The jeans are an article of clothing. They have no, the jeans have to fit me. (laughs) Like the clothes, it's their job to fit me. And if they don't, they're fired. (laughs) So just like, if it doesn't fit you, get rid of it. And there's so many great sites like Poshmark and Depop. And even you can just sell them on your Instagram stories or do a clothes swap or donate them or get rid of the clothes that A, you don't like, but B, that don't fit you. And it is so much more freedom than having to like see reminders of a past version of yourself that you no longer fit into. Right. And I love what you said there about
1: that reframing, because it is true. Like, why do we feel bad when clothes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's it on us. Like the clothes don't fit. The clothes should feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) The designer should know. Um, It's yeah, it's, it's just kind of about like finding, finding what suits you. Um, so I love that Uh, well that being said you know we're discussing photography and that's obviously something that's been such a staple in your life but I feel like more so than lately at least from my perspective it seems like you've just very much so like found your path in a sense right and I just I don't know I, I know something I struggle with and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it is just like that pressure to follow the shoulds of society right and that could be the shoulds of you know Diet Mm -hmm. culture, do this, do that, or the shoulds of, you know, you need a nine to five job and a regular career or whatever it is. And not saying there's anything bad with those, but there can be a lot of pressure to follow, right? Like these standards. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious, like, how do you feel like you started to find your own sort of path, you know, by embracing these passions of yours? You know, you kind of went with them and now they're turning out to be your career and your life work and such. So, I guess if we could just kind of talk a bit on this idea of finding that path like best suited for you and, you know, finding the things that light you up versus if you're feeling that sense of, you know, lost or confusion in life. Hmm.
0: Well, on the topic of like shoulds, I guess there's, I think there's a piece of my personality that I was born with. That's very much like a little, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's annoying, but like a little rebellious. So I don't like people telling me what to do in general. I knew from a very young age that I would eventually work for myself. I didn't know how or why or whatever. I just was like, this is, I just got to do this. Like, I think I was 12 when I made that realization. I hadn't even had a job yet. Um, And luckily I have parents who very much embrace that rebel and never really told me I can't do things. They're just like, if you want something, like figure out how to get it, Um, you know, obviously within reason. Um, So I think I was, you know, nature, nurture helped me reject a lot of shoulds Um, and the early part of my twenties, I don't think I consciously was doing this, but I think these last like eight to 10 years have just been, exploratory mode and the little metaphor because I love me some metaphors that I use in my mind is like when I'm trying something new I try not to have any expectations I'm like my life is basically a garden and I'm constantly planting seeds and just watering them and taking care of them Sometimes nothing grows. Sometimes I don't like what grows from it. Sometimes if I'm you know, lucky and took good care of it, something really cool has grown from it. But so many of the things that I feel like have been working well in my life now were things that had been planted years and years ago and had been nurtured in different ways. So I feel like I felt lost a lot these last eight years. And it wasn't until this past year that I felt, again, not like 100% clarity, but a lot more clarity and not in that I'm like oh I'm perfectly defined <laughs> which my mind would love um, but more like I don't need to be but I am gonna kind of focus and I felt less fear of the limitations because sometimes I find when I choose something I'm instantly like oh what about all the things what about all the things that I didn't choose I maybe I made the wrong choice and blah blah, blah. but now I found a lot of peace with just like focusing on one thing at a time when I think often my nature in the past eight years has been try everything. So like looking back it it's kind of beautiful how it's worked out. And it's interesting if you are into astrology at all. I just had, I'm like, I think I'm within my Saturn return, which is like 28, 29, when Saturn is back in the place where um it was when you were born. And it's basically this idea that your life kind of like reshifts into alignment with your purpose because Saturn is all about kind of career and you know that's Mm -hmm. the major archetype um but it can happen in different ways for different people so I feel like it definitely was like all the things that weren't (laughs) meant to work out we're just gonna cut them off now (laughs) and then push you into this new phase and it was interesting that it happened to happen in 2020 a year that um shifted so much so In way, in a way, I'm like grateful that it happened then because I almost had no expectations for the year, so I was willing to take a risk and shut down some things and focus.
1: Yeah. Oh, I so love that, and I'm big on astrology, and I think a lot of people that listen to this are. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I that's so neat actually that your Saturn return did you know correlate with this past year because. I hadn't even thought of that, you know, happening for people really, but yeah, what a time to really let go of expectations. And I've been sharing about this a bit more and talking about it with, you know, good friends when we walk where, I don't know, I'm just exploring a lot more of this idea with expectations and how they can be a form of self-sabotage. They can be a form of limiting beliefs, like expectations can just really do a number on you if you don't, you know, keep them in check or if you don't, if you're not aware of them either, Mm -hmm. you know, as well. So I love that. And that bit you said about finding that clarity and peace with where you are at, because I don't know, I, I feel similarly where I think so many of us, right. Like we, you know, this is kind of unrelated, but also relates. I had a brand strategist on the podcast and she was saying that like, so often, you know, our thoughts and our mind is just like this bowl of noodles, right? And we're just like trying to be like, you can't even like pull a noodle out. Like the noodles are just slipping through your fingers. There's so much going on. You're pulled in so many directions. And there is something beautiful about finding that clarity, that contentment, that peace of, you know, honing in your focus. Right. And like really putting intentionality into what's happening in your life or what you're creating in your life. And it's just so beautiful that you were able to kind of find that. Right. And as you said, sort of like what wasn't suiting you, what wasn't suiting this part of your life fades away or you get rid of it. And then you just sort of focus on like what you do want, you know, what you, the flowers you do want growing in your garden and not having just a jumbled, you know, garden with everything in it. So I think there's so much to be said for that and just that overarching idea of expectations.
0: Yeah. Do you personally feel like there's any specific shoulds that you're contending with right now? Yeah. I mean, my like big
1: one I'd say for should is just like probably related to career and money. So I'm trying to think of like a very specific one, but just this like, like of how much money I should be making to adequately be paying you know, for everything in my life, but then also to be saving and then also to be doing this. And then like how many hours a week I should quote unquote, even be working. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and like a big one for me was I didn't go to college. I've done a lot of things that I felt all my life I should do and deciding not to do them was very difficult for me. And something I still Work through because it was like so programmed in me that I should do those if I wanted to be successful, loved, accepted, etc. And I don't know. There's a sort of freedom I've found in just really like pushing through that and continuing to do my own thing. And I don't know. I, it's definitely not easy, but yeah, I feel very similarly where it's like you know between the shoulds and the expectations. I just really let that derail me from my truth i suppose for a long time
0: something that this is bringing up is this kind of like slow burning epiphany i feel like i've had this year where again i've like put myself out there in different like i've been more honest with people in my life i've mm-hmm. like said yes to things i've like just declared what I want publicly for certain things or just in conversations. And I I feel like all of that has forced me to have a lot more lessons more quickly, or maybe they were always simmering. But the, the thing I'm referring to, like this quote unquote epiphany, is that I think in the past with the wellness and growth and all these things, I thought I was building up to this place where I don't think I consciously thought this, but I think in my mind, I'm like, okay, great. If I learn how to do all these things, if I'm this level of healthy and well and spiritual, I won't have to deal with feelings. Like I just won't have them and I'll be at peace forever. Whereas I think I finally realized like I'm a sensitive person. I'm going to have a lot of feelings all the time. They're always going to be there. Like there's no amount of work on myself that will stop the way I react to things I just don't have to like (laughs) physically do anything about all of them. (laughs) And in the past, it was like every feeling had to have a fix. Every feeling I had to fix it and solve it. And it was always a problem. Now it's like, oh, I don't have to stop any of these feelings. I can have expectations. I can have shoulds, all this stuff. It's all here. And I don't even have to stop it. I just don't have to like act on it. And again, like what you mentioned around having awareness around your expectations. I'm like, oh, I just like... I have the feeling, I become aware of it. I'm like, cool, whatever, like it sucks or it doesn't, it's great or it's not so great. And then it passes and I move on. (laughs) Versus in the past, I felt like I would do something, have a feeling about it, or someone would do something to me, have a feeling about it. And then I would just like bring my mind in, ruminate, Mm -hmm. freak out, probably do something, overreact, like, have a chain reaction and then vow after that experience to never put myself out there again so it shrink 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 when I was very small and now it's like the opposite where I just keep putting myself out there keep having these feelings but not necessarily have to I'm just more comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes and I think it's helped me have a much bigger life and again I say that with the caveat of like it, there's certain types of discomfort that you should not be okay with and should have reactions and like do something about but you know what I mean like there's yeah. a difference between like having your feelings hurt versus like someone actually hurting you yes um, and I trust people's discernment <laughs> oh it's just like a big
1: hell so yes on that one I I feel like I'm in this weird transition right now where I've slowly started like you said like a simmering epiphany I've since I feel like since I've started therapy, actually, in yeah. the last two months, like bless therapy, I've started to, I don't know, change my perspective per se on this all, because as you said, I think it's especially hard when you're in any part of the wellness community, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, what, whatever, there is this like underlying message or theme or idea that like, at some point you will be like, I don't know if it's, you know, free or fixed or done with it. Right. Like I, for the longest time felt like I could reach this place where I wouldn't struggle anymore with depression or anxiety or this or that or that. And I, I mean, I hope the day comes, but like for now, I just can't, I don't know. It's like you said, I can't like let myself just get so sucked in to these specific feelings or emotions because I do, I am, I think we all have a ruminating mind. I think some of us have it more so than others. And I think I'm definitely on that side of things. And it's like, if I, there just has to come a place in time where, as you said, like you're aware of something or you acknowledge it and then like, you have to let it go. Right. Or I don't know, there's just so many ways that we can like kind of really get sucked into that. It's just like a wind tunnel, right? And there's constant stimulus noise, like that feeling of like figuring it out, fixing it, or you know, just obsessing over this feeling, emotion, experience that you're having. And as you said, there's a time and a place where that needs attention, and there's a time and a place when it it is meant to be let go. Yeah. Um, so I actually love that you just said that because I think it is very true. There is this, and that is a should, right? It's like you should be if you do X, Y, Z, you should be fit or you should be mentally like happy all the time, or you should mm-hmm. be wealth, wealthy, whatever it is. Like that is an underlying should, whether we realize mm-hmm. it or not.
0: I'll use an example. So, cause I, I feel like that's the most helpful yeah. um, of <laughs> like the difference of my reactions versus non-reaction or just moving through it. When people say like, feel your feelings. I'm often like, what, what does that mean? Um, Please explain. So for example, I'm, you know, a sensitive gal relatively, I think, maybe, I don't know. I've never been someone else that I know of. Um, So, you know, in photography, again, I think it had been something I've wanted to pursue full time for a long time, but had a lot of fears around what that would mean if I was good enough, all that jazz this year owned it. And what happens a lot is like, there's multiple photographers out here. Some are like similar in style, similar in price range. So there's not that many like huge differentiators. So it, in a way it's competitive, in a way it's not. It's a very small island. So a lot of us are like friends with each other, which is awesome. So what happens is like maybe I'll work with someone and then I end up finding out kind of through a back channel or just like on social media that they've worked with someone else the next time, you know, probably with their going through is like, I like both of these people's work. I want both. (laughs) Whereas I take it as I must have done something wrong. Like I probably like, they probably hate my work and they probably will never talk to me. You know, it's like all these fears. And like, I have this like physical reaction of my heart, like sinking my chest tightening. Like I feel that burning feeling in your throat when you're like, ah, I fucked up. Even though again, like that's just a story I'm telling. So in the past had that happened, I probably would have consciously or subconsciously shrunk myself. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is what happens when I put myself out there. I'm not good enough. I'm not even going to go for the next thing. Or like, I'm, I'm not going to call this my main, like, I'm just not good enough. So here's my, here's my evidence. Um, and like, or I would have like, been weird with that person or try to like overdo something like be too nice you know I don't know just like do these weird things to like make myself feel better or try to manipulate or who knows or like make this whole story that didn't actually happen now it's like oh yeah that kind of sucks when that happens like but (laughs) enough experience I've had enough experience now where it's like they'll probably call me again another time and if they don't There's so many other people I can work with. Like I feel, again, people ask me a lot about like, oh, how do you build confidence? I honestly think for me anyways, it's just experience. Like to me, confidence equals experience. How can you be confident in something you've never done before? Like, I don't think you should be confident in something you've never done before. So just keep doing it. Even if like weird stuff happens in the middle, like your feelings get hurt, like just keep going because the more experience you can draw from, you're like, oh, if like, One out of every 10 things goes wrong. And then you build up more experience. It's like, oh, now I know that like five out of every 100. It's like you just get better data to draw from and analyze. And you're like, was that weird? Not really, because it's happened before quite a few times. Oh, that is weird because it's never happened before. And I have a lot of experience. So just... It's okay to have all those feelings. You just don't have to do anything about it. Just keep going. Don't shrink yourself as a result of it. You don't have to change your personality. Just not everyone's going to like you and it's fine.
1: Yeah. No, and I love that example. And I want to share one that came. I mean, this is one that we could all relate to, right? But like that same idea, but with friendships, right? Like, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) All the fucking time where it's like, you know, say there's like three of you, right? And then it's like, you're all hanging out. Like next week, you see that two of them go out for coffee in the past or whatever it is. And in the past, I'd get such in that same mindset of like, fuck, like I must've upset them or like, what did I do wrong? And then I like act timid. And then I, you know, wouldn't reach out until they reached out. Cause I thought maybe they didn't like me anymore, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, now I've just gotten to this point where it's like, that isn't, that doesn't even happen. Like I see, you know, I'm in multiple, you know, like it's like small groups or pods here. And it's like, I see them go out and, you know, walk or whatever it is. And I'm just like, Okay. Like it just, it doesn't even phase me. And it's because I've gotten to the point of understanding, like, as you said, like, it's not so personal, like in their minds, like they just, those two want to catch up. They have something mm. they need to discuss, or they were the only ones around. They bumped whatever it is. Like there's so many things and you can really ruin so many good things. Not even ruin. That's an <laughs> yes,
0: extreme. But word, honestly, but sometimes.
1: <laughs> you can, yeah. You, I mean, you, yeah, you can legitimately ruin or you can just, you know, dampen so many good things in life by really just getting caught up in like the reactive or the momentary emotions, feels, et cetera of it. So I, I love that example with, you know, career work, like a skill set of yours. And then also like the most common one, friendships. Yeah, Um, definitely. Big one on that. And what you said about the confidence piece, like, I think there is something to be said, like you said about those experiences where, the more you do it, or when you're in those circumstances multiple times, like you're training mind, body, spirit of like all the different ways to do it or all the different things that could happen. And it becomes such a like life skill, life knowledge versus whatever you could read in a book or, you know, learn online, right? Like it's really putting that like 360 approach to it. And I feel like that is such a component of confidence and whatever spectrum you're looking for it.
0: And when it comes to like over reading a situation or, you know, interpreting it or over being sensitive to something, I just want to call out because my experience growing up with like my bigger, wider family system was people didn't tell you when they were upset. So mm-hmm. a lot of times people had to figure it out themselves just through clues and back channels and like weird subtleties in body language. So if you're like me and had that Experience growing up, it literally helped you survive to overthink it. Like, mm-hmm. overthinking was a tool that helped your childhood self, like, just make it in your family system. And so, it has to take an active, like, process to remind yourself that you're safe and it's not your job to read people's minds, unlike when you were a kid. Yes. <laughs> where it did feel like your job to read people's minds. And I, have become a lot I wouldn't say blunt because I'm still very like soft in the way I communicate I think maybe not to everyone but um I like to set clarity and like if you are upset with me it's your job to let me know again you know things I still obviously read overread people's body language and everything and react to that but like I don't I'm retraining myself to let people like communicate to me and I'll communicate to them and build that trust. And it takes a while in a friendship. Um, Yeah. Just want to call that out because it didn't come from nowhere.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I love that you said that because I actually hadn't put two and two together like that. I was once more not to keep bringing up my therapist, but just yesterday we were talking about like my tendency to overthink and how I've even had a few friends here say something along the lines of like, you're really overthinking this right now. Not in a mean way, just in a mm-hmm. legitimate, like, Emily, like we need to make a decision or like what's going on, like you're overthinking things. And it is true. Like once I was grew up very like similar construct where, you know, people, you know, like my mom had cancer, like there were things going on in my family and they wouldn't tell the kids. Right. So mm. we had to pick up like, how is so-and-so doing? Or like, is this, you know, tension gone? Like you, you pick up on body language on, words, whatever it is. And yeah, if you're trained to think that way, like, of course you carry that into later life. But I think it was actually neat. I just moved, you know, a few months ago. And so forming those new friendships was hard because in the beginning, like I was overthinking everything. And it's just now five months later that I'm starting to have that trust with these, you know, new friends of mine where I don't have to like step into that overthinking, right? Like it is a it's a boundary. It's like a trust thing to really be able to say, you know, like you let me know when something's wrong. Otherwise I'm going to go with it. You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm just going to live my best life and you let me know if I need to be concerned. Um, So I really, really love that perspective on it.
0: Yeah. I, I would say too, just like in this theme, I actually read this book like last year, I think it's called the defining decade. I feel, you know, there's some parts that I that was interesting other parts i completely disagree with but i did think it was an interesting read so if you're curious if you're in your early 20s i would still check it out just you know you don't need to take it as bible but yeah. she did talk about this phenon phenomenon of when you're in your early 20s and you're in that first couple jobs how i, I forget like all the specifics but it's basically in your <laughs> brain's wiring and in the way that you're growing as a young 20 something Like you're kind of wired to take it all personally. And I remember feeling like I was crazy my first job because everything felt incredibly personal. And I thought I was going to be fired every day. And I can imagine that would be so annoying. Like now, as a more mature person, to like have to work with that and be like, no, I just needed to email you. You're not fired. Stop. But just I wanted to call it out because in case you're in that zone, like you're not crazy but stick with it because it gets easier. And again, that confidence building thing, experience every day you survive, give yourself a thumbs up. Like, great. I just got more experience. Um, And again, if something is a completely toxic work environment and you're not safe, get out of it. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, I think I wish that someone had told me that it was not just me who had a who was experiencing that. Cause then it would have just put things into perspective and just help me maybe process a little bit more, have a little bit more clarity when I was processing what was going on and realize that it wasn't really about me at all.
1: This is like the last funny side story I'll share, but um so every, like, uh, you know, I am a server, I'm a waitress and I am always the work relationships are the one thing where I still do overthink, as you said, like I'm 21, I'm, like still, I, you know, I just don't want to do things wrong. And especially when it comes to the kitchen, right? Like I'm just not the best communicator of like this or that. And I don't know. I'll just like way, way, way overthink things, you know, that like, fuck, like I messed up now they're mad at me or blah, blah, blah. And the one day, um, the chef called me over (laughs) And it must've been my eyes that like gave me away because I was so, I was like, you know, like that's not good. He called me over. So I must've did something wrong. And I go over and before I he could even, before he even started speaking, he's like, you thought I was going to yell at you, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like I actually did because, you know, it's like, in, he just had like some note to say about stock or inventory, whatever it was. And that moment kind of like made me open my eyes to the fact of like, wow, like I really am overthinking these like little things at work that as you said like it can feel like you're going crazy but like it's it's natural we're trained we're you know kind of yeah trained to do this and so um yeah anyone else in that like college stage new job first few jobs, like it is, I feel like a big, a big thing to come up for. So yeah.
0: And again, when you're younger in your like family system, it can't, it is a matter of survival, whether these people like you because they're providing for you. Mm -hmm. So it's not you being quote unquote, too sensitive to care if other people like you, but as you become an adult, you get more experiences with just having more, I guess, neutrality towards like if someone's angry at you, like maybe you deserved it, maybe you didn't. And either way, you just have to learn how to be with that and without being codependent and like trying to over-control their emotions so that you're okay. And I think that's, been one of the best skill sets I've learned over time is like allowing people to have their feelings about me and not trying to change them or control them because usually it passes like just because someone's mad at you doesn't mean they hate you (laughs) like people are just allowed like you you're allowed to make mistakes and people are allowed to be annoyed by you and it's not the end of the world (laughs) I'm annoyed by people all the time and
1: yeah I don't hate them (laughs) I always remind myself of that. I'm like, I get so annoyed by friends, family, everybody, everybody. And yet, like, it's such a fleeting thing. I'm like, I just, all I think is like, I'm annoyed or that pissed me off. And then I move on. Like, I Mm -hmm. literally do not carry any lingering expressions or emotions about it. So it's like, but yet we think, you know, that others do that for us. Um, so yeah, that is definitely something to remember (laughs) on that side of things. Um, but yeah, overall, this was just such an enlightening, you know, just I feel overall empowering conversation. Um, can be lots to reflect on from what we discussed. So thank you for that. And then if people are interested in following along more, your feeds is definitely one of my favorite. I mean, not only, like you have a beautiful aesthetic for sure, but like also your con, like, your words, your content. It just hits home. It resonates. (laughs) So yeah. So where can people find you connect um, on all the channels or social platforms that you would like them to?
0: Yeah. So if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm at Georgie Morley. If you want to work, if you happen to somehow be on the Nantucket and want to work with me for photography, it's Georgie Morley photography. And then if you like this conversation, we have very similar ones over um, at our podcast, uh, Gal Pals. And I'd love to connect with you there. Drop me a DM if you listened and liked it. Um, It was so great talking to you, Emily. This was so fun.